Rich Mustard Seed, your Catholic Young Adult Show on Radio Veritas, the good news for a change, every Tuesday evening from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's Mustard Seed on 576 a.m. Every Tuesday evening from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Mustard Seed, your Catholic Young Adult Show. Good evening and welcome to Mustard Seed, your Catholic young adult show. I'm your host, Kanane Lomapoko, and on the program we talk about anything that's anything to do with young adults. On last week's program we had Retrovi in studio. We had three couples in studio talking about Retrovi. Uh, Retrovi is a program for troubled marriages. Uh, the, three, the three couples we had in studio were uh, Michelle and Stuart. Um, Biza and Andy, Mutusi and Libby, and they were basically sharing their retrovi um, experience. So, um, when you, if you were listening to last week's program, um, you would have heard um, Andy and Biza, as well as Mutusi and Libby, going on about how they were ready to divorce. And Libby's mom was like, "Okay, my child, it, it's okay if you you guys want a divorce, but before you get divorced, uh, could you just do one thing for me?" And that one thing was for them to attend a retrovi weekend and they came back from that weekend and needless to say the rest is history because they happily married and they learned quite a lot about themselves they learned quite a lot about their marriage and um we also heard biza and andy who were also sharing just how they were ready to get divorced they were not even talking to each other and biza was on some you know what i can't wait to get an opportunity outside of how dang she was uh, gonna get an opportunity in the free state and she was like yes i want to go so that um i can be away from andy and just live my life you know then they went to retrovi for the retrovi weekend and they got to really introspect and um, that weekend, as they put it, really saved their marriage. And the Retrovi uh, website is helpourmarriage.com. So if you want to uh, hear more about um, Retrovi or learn more about Retrovi, maybe you are in a situation where your marriage is troubled, uh, you can just check out the website, helpourmarriage.com. Uh, this Sunday um, at church, uh, the, the priest, uh, Father Theo in Branston, was just preaching about... Um, marriage and he was preaching about how you make a decision every day to love your partner and the focus was really on marriage and how you would um, have to pray for your marriage pray for your spouse and uh, I I thought it was very fitting considering the fact that on the Tuesday we had Retrovi in studio and personally what I uh, found interesting from one of the many things I found interesting from last week's interview was the four stages of marriage um, where uh, they got to share where 
the guests got to share about the four stages being romance, disillusionment, misery, and the fourth one being awakening. And they really broke down what those four stages are and what they mean by the four stages. And the fact that it's not a given that you have to go through romance, then stage two, disillusionment, then misery, then awakening. It's a case of any stage, you know, can come first. Maybe you could go fr- straight from romance to awakening or misery or whatever the case might be. And that a marriage is not static at any given point in time. It can be at any of these stages. So that was last week's program. And um, they mentioned that on the 22nd to the 24th of February, that's when they'll be having their next Retrovi weekend here in Johannesburg. But we know that they have centers around the country. But this one will be taking place in Johannesburg, 22nd to 24th. And please go to their website www.helpourmarriage.com to find out more about the weekend and as mentioned they really do try and help troubled marriages if that's you you know just give them a call check out the details on their website and hopefully they'll be able to help you guys that was last week's program on this week's program we're talking about necro um it's an organization Necro is an organization which specializes in social crime prevention and offender reintegration. It boasts a rich unparalleled history in human rights, juvenile justice, and innovative criminal uh, justice reform. They render life-changing services to approximately 12,000 to 15,000 direct beneficiaries, and it touches the lives uh, of between 40,000 to 50,000 South Africans each year. So we'll be unpacking that. So what is Necro all about? What is it that you as a listener uh, can benefit from Necro? What services do they offer? We'll be unpacking that in studio with our guests uh, being Gululego Kanyi, uh, Andy Lesiaya, as well as Kobela Dikhali. They'll be unpacking uh, what Necro is about what it is that they do and how it is that you as the listener can benefit from Necro. But we'll hear more from them after this. We're going to listen to The Rose, which is one of the theme songs for Retrovi, as we heard on last week's program. And they basically explained why this, impo- this song is important to them. Here's The Rose by Bette Midler. Welcome back. Welcome to Mustard Seed right here on Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. You're listening to us on 576 AM 870 on DSTV. And if you're listening to us via streaming, it's za. I mentioned that on tonight's program, we're talking about Negro. And this is really a program that tries to make South Africa better. That's just my view on uh, what they do in a nutshell. But they'll be unpacking what it is that they do. And by they, I mean our guests who are Ngulego Kanyi, Andile Siaya, and uh, Kobela Dikhali. Good evening, guys. How are you doing this evening? Hi. 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 I'm great, thanks. Uh, Thank you, thank you very much for coming through uh, to Radio Veritas. Before we unpack what NECRA does, um, the different programs that you have, and how it is that people benefit from your programs, let's get to know you better. You know, they normally say ladies first, but I think in this case we'll start with the gentleman. (laughs) We have uh, one guy and two ladies. So, um, Kulego, just introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, good evening to your listeners. As I've said, my name is Nkulego Kanyi. I'm a social worker from Nikro. 
I studied through UNISA. I think I studied for five years in UNISA to become a social worker. Mm-hmm. I joined NICRO last year in March as a volunteer social worker, and then I was employed full-time in September last year. So I've been with NICRO for over a year now. Yeah. Welcome, good Lego. Andy Lane? Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Andy Lesiaya, born and bred in KZN. I did a social work degree course in the University of KwaZulu-Natal, Howard College campus, and I then went to Gauteng, and then I was employed in 2016 as a social worker, and I've been working there for two and a, two and a half years now, making three years next year. Thank you for having me. Um, good evening, listeners. My name is Kovela Dekhali. I am also the social worker from Negro in Jamiston. I studied my Bachelor of Social Work degree at the University of Limpopo in Teflop, and I was raised in Limpopo as well in a village called Blood River. I've joined Negro in August. I still remember the date. Oh, my gosh. The 16th of August. As a volunteer, then I volunteered for only a month. Then in October, I was appointed as a social worker. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, to the three of you for joining us this evening. Before we get into Nikra, you all happen to be social workers. Is there something that you planned to do? Or was it a case of, ah, just try it out? Was it? Did you always want to become social workers? For me, I got inspired by my mother. She's a social worker. That's the reason why I became a social worker. Yeah. And for me, um, like I said, I was raised in Blood River. It's a high crime area. It has a lot of crime. The crime rate is very high. It's known by crime. So that is something that motivated me to study social work in order to help the youngsters around the village, you know, drug use, gangsterism and all that. Yeah. And for me, it it was always that I'd seen people who were suffering because I also grew up in a rural area in KZN. So I'd always seen people suffering, you know. And then for me, helping a person uh, didn't just do it for me. And then having uh, researched on what social work is and actually finding out that as a social worker, you don't just help people, you work with people in helping themselves. So that actually inspired me to want to become a social worker because if I didn't do that, then I was going to be a teacher, but then social work came <laughs> It's similar, hey? I think yeah. teachers are also kind of like social workers because they get to teach a whole lot of learners who come from different backgrounds and a lot of them coming with a lot of baggage but uh for me now i'm sounding like you guys you know like for me i became a social worker just kidding uh, but then for me personally just, just walking in and just seeing young people and hearing that they're social workers i think it really um makes me smile from a point of view of south africa is in good hands because yeah. the work that social workers do is so important, mm. so, so important, especially now in South Africa, uh, given what's happening um, in our country. Yeah. So I really commend you for the work that you do. And maybe just one of you guys, we always take an opportunity when we have professionals in studio just to unpack um, how it, what the journey is to get that qualification. Maybe if you can just quickly, just high level, just share. Um, maybe there's someone listening who's like, you know what, one day I want to be a social worker. What's the journey? You, someone mentioned five years, I think it was Yunku yeah, Lego. Five mm. five, for me it was five years like, through UNISA. Yeah. yeah, I started through UNISA. I think it was more... Okay. I did my five years with UNISA. 
Yeah, I studied through distance learning, so I didn't attend full time with UNISA. I only did workshop on certain occasion. Maybe once a month, we go through UNISA to attend a workshop there. Yeah, it took me about five years to get my degree. So, on average, how long does it take if you're doing it full time? Four years on average. Oh, four full years. Full time. Okay. Years. And then, what are the major subjects that you would uh, take when one is studying to become a social worker? I think it differs. For me, at major, I did criminology and social work. Oh, okay. Some others, psychology, sociology, and as well as, I think, communication. Oh, so, so it depends what it is that you want to major yes. in. It's not a given that if you become a social worker, this is what you major in. No. 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 Okay, cool. Mm. Did you want to say something, Kavela? Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now, uh, getting into NICRO, which is an organization that all or you, that you guys work for, um, your vision as NICRO, you believe in reconciliation and healing, building mm-hmm. a democratic society, strengthening uh, human rights, culture and creating a safe South Africa in which crime and violence no longer govern. Beautiful vision. But just share with us uh, the history of Nikro. Uh, when did it start? Just a bit of background uh, when it comes to Nikro. Okay, so let me just start on what actually Nikro is. Nikro is actually an abbreviation uh, of uh, in in all NICRO is an institute, or rather a National Institute for Crime Prevention and the Rehabilitation of Offenders. The organization is a registered NPO, which stands for Non-Profit Organization. It was first established in 1910 as the Prisoners' Aid Association. So with a rich history in human rights, like you've already mentioned or alluded to, uh, prison and criminal justice reform. So that's where the organization starts, started and like the history that you've just briefly mentioned now and you've already touched on our vision and our mission is to provide constructive solutions, uh, sorry, to prevent and reduce crime throughout South Africa by offering uh, comprehensive therapeutic, holistic and developmental life skills programs for offenders, their families and their victims and build the capacity of communities and, div- and individuals to turn their backs on crime. That's basically the history of NICRO. And I like how you broke down uh, the, um, the acronym NICRO and what it is that it stands for. Now, you've got four service streams, right, which are crime prevention, diversion, non-custodial uh, sentencing, and offender reintegration. So can we please just touch on crime prevention that particular stream, what is it about? Crime prevention is when we do our awareness campaigns. We go to schools, clinics, and where there are public gatherings, and we promote Negro, and we try to promote crime prevention activities that we do at Negro. So we visit especially your high schools, those are endangered school children. We promote our services. And then that's how we, we promote our crime prevention services. Okay, cool. Now let's make it practical. So you say um, you have awareness campaigns under crime prevention and you go to schools, you raise awareness. Okay. But to, what does it mean practically? So you get to a school and then what do you do? Yeah, we get to a school. We First, we make contact with the principal of the school. We're going to do an awareness campaign on, this, on a certain day. This can be on class to class or in the public, uh, in a, let's say, an assembly. We're going to promote, okay, different topics. This include your bullying, uh, yeah, substance abuse, especially substance abuse. We promote that because that's a challenge in South Africa. 
mostly through high schools. So what do you mean when you say you promote it? Uh, so you would talk about do not use this because mm. uh, these are the results or, mm. or what? Mm. Yes. Uh, basically what we do is, um, like, in, like I said, we, we gain entry into the school first. Talking to the principal, getting to know the SGB, the life orientation, HODs and all that, then we gain entry. Thereafter, we form partnership or rather in social work they call it a rapport. We establish rapport with the school. For instance, if I can give an example, now in Jamiston we've got a good working relationship with one of the schools in Reha Park. Uh, we also have the Safety Ambassador Program of which we we promoting young kids to become the ambassadors or rather the leaders or the role models within the school. With their friends, it can be at church, at home, in the school premises or anywhere. We talk about topics such as peer pressure because it plays a role in modifying or shaping their behavior. If my friend says, okay, tonight we're going to smoke weed, it's my friend. I can't say no. I can't turn it down because sometimes we want to fit in due to peer pressure. We want to be seen as cool in the society, but not knowing exactly what the consequences of our actions are. So we basically touch such topics, substance use, um, gangsterism, mm -hmm. gangsterism mm -hmm. and substance use, because lately it's been saying that uh, Daha is legal, but not knowing the in-depth details of why is Daha legal on what grounds is mm. Dacha legal? We just jump into the fact that, oh, I can smoke weed now, I can use marijuana, but not knowing the details of it. And since that announcement was made of Dacha being legal, mm. you've seen pictures and videos on social media mm. platforms of kids in school, yeah. uniform, mm. uh, you know, after the effects of um, them yeah. smoking Dacha. Mm. But also, some of them are like showing you on time, yeah, now I can smoke, you know, because now it's, it's uh, legalized. Mm. Um, now, what are some of the um, the changes that you've seen in behavior from your inter intervention when it comes to uh, the crime prevention stream? Uh, like you've said that now everyone thinks that it's legal. But then I think that against the law, I mean, in, in law, it's still against uh, children, that is adolescents, ch teenagers, and all those people to abuse drugs, whether it's alcohol, because it is illegal when it's well, for minors, uh, whether it's cigarettes and now dacha. So if you, like you're saying that now you come, for a person comes into our office or we're doing our awareness, then you, you speak about dacha as one of the drugs. You would hear people contesting it or, or other children contesting that it's illegal. But it is illegal to them because they're still minors. You can't be uh, 18 and drinking alcohol. It's illegal. Mm. You can't be now, yes, 16 and smoking weed because it is illegal. Sorry for saying it's weed. Dacha, I mean. Yeah, so you get a lot of people thinking now, like you've said, it's freedom for mm -hmm. everyone. But it's not because if you're still found in possession in public, you will be arrested. Or smoking in a park, which is what they do with their friends, mm -hmm. then they will be arrested. So it's a lot of misconceptions that they don't have and uh, unclear, uh, how do I put it, uh, fine prints, if I would put it that way, that it's now legal so they can smoke. Mm, and smoke it away. Mm. It's quite sad, though, when you see that. And I'm thinking, you're in high school. Aren't you supposed to be focusing on your books and focusing on passing the drink? But anyway, it's a topic for another day. Mm. You're still listening to Mustard Seed right here on Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. We have our guests from uh, Necro in studio. We've got Nkulu Lego Kanye. He is the perpetrator 
um, program. That's the program that he runs. Andile uh, Siaya, he run, she runs the Youth Diversion Program. Kobela Dikhale runs the uh, Road Offences Program. And we'll be unpacking what these programs entail shortly after this. Time is 19.32. You're still listening to Mustard Seed right here on Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. We're still talking about Negro, and we have our three guests in studio, um, being Nkulego, Andile, and uh, Kobela. Basically, uh, just before the songs, we were talking about the service streams that uh, Negro um, has, being crime prevention, diversion, crime prevention, number one, number two, diversion, number three, non-custodial uh, sentencing and the fourth one being offender reintegration so they basically unpacked uh, crime prevention uh, which is uh, a service that really raises um, awareness um, these are awareness campaigns regarding uh, crime prevention now let's touch on diversion what happens in that stream what is that stream about okay so diversion is like in definition, is it is a process uh, that uh, aims to divert or rather to take out or rather to remove. I don't know how to put it. The word diversion itself uh, to take out or rather to divert a person from going through the, the the criminal justice process. You see, when you get arrested, instead of you going through a trial and being found guilty and then being sentenced, you're rather diverted to attend our life skills program that are aimed at empowering you with life skills so that you do not reoffend. And our programs, then you come into our office for our booking and then we do a needs assessment or a screening process and then we allocate you into a program uh, after which uh, the screening process, you must then uh, go for an assessment uh, and that will look into who are you as an individual. Then you attend our various programs that we will just discuss now. And then after that, you get a court uh, completion report that the person must take to the court that will uh, be uh, basically an evaluation of what we've done with you and our intervention and then our evaluation as to whether you are a high risk reoffender or a low risk or medium risk. So that's what basically diversion in my sense or rather in what we do as, 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 as an organization is. So who qualifies to be on this diversion program? Is it just any offender or do you... Uh, screen them. You mentioned that there's a whole. You, you basically do a background check on them, right? Yes. But who, who qualifies? Who can qualify? I think it's those offenders who commit less serious offenses. Your shoplifting, your theft. Mm. If you are committed high checking, you don't qualify for diversion. If you murdered someone or rape, you don't qualify for diversion. So it's basically to prevent someone from becoming a hard criminal. Mm. That's why they get diverted to us. Okay. So you, as Necro, you would have basically a list of. The less serious offenders. No, it's no. the court. Oh, it's the court. Decided. It's the prosecutor. Okay, your case is less serious. Go to Necro. Okay. Yeah. What we do in the office is that um, we do an assessment. With an assessment, we check. We do 
uh, an evaluation to say, okay, through all the assessment, we managed to get this kind of points or problems from the client, then that on its own will determine which suit, which program is suitable for the client. Then as Necro, if maybe we cannot be able to meet the needs of the client, we've got other stakeholders that we're working with, then we refer the client so that they can get help as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm. <coughs> and now... Um, the three of you are involved in different programs, right? Ngulego, yes. uh, you are involved in the Perpetrator Program. Yes. Can we just unpack uh, what that program is about? Okay, the Perpetrator Program entails that is the Intimate Partner Violence Program. So it focuses on domestic violence. So for you to be in a program, you have to be, you have to be in an abusive relationship. For instance, we focus on perpetrators. That's what we focus on. So it takes about 10 sessions. So we're going to come once a week for about 10 weeks at Necro. We're going to discuss different topics from your self-awareness to what is domestic violence. Because some of our clients struggle to understand what is domestic violence, the different types of domestic violence. We define them and what does the law say about domestic violence. And then we move on to how does socialization impact domestic violence. For instance, how we were raised. Were you raised in a family where domestic violence occurs and how does that affect you now? So we address that when you enter our program. And then we address also male privileges because most of our clients... Was it male privileges? Male privileges. Because most of our clients are males. So does male privilege contribute to you abusing your wife or your partner? Mm. If that does or contribute, you address it through gender roles. So we focus on gender roles. So we address our men, we educate them through that. Do you cook in your house? Or do you let only your wife do the cooking? That's how we focus on our perpetrator program. So when you attend a perpetrator program, you're able to identify abusive behaviors as a, as a perpetrator or, or, or our client. Then you're able to understand how does that the abuse impact your partner as well as your family, including your children. And how in future are your family, especially your children, can get affected by your abuse. So basically, we don't, we don't only focus on men because we do get clients f- who are females who are, have abused their partners. That's how the program focuses on Okay, so on the perpetrator um, program, uh, you mentioned that there are different types of domestic violence. I yes. think just generally when we talk domestic violence, what comes to mind is husband hitting yes, wife um, or uh, boyfriend hitting girlfriend, that yes. type of thing. Mm. So what are the other types of domestic violence that are there? First, we define verbal abuse. If you live through constant insult by your partner, that is verbal abuse. Then you have emotional abuse. Emotional abuse can be a threat to your to your life, a threat to your pet, a threat to something that you value, or breaking things in a household. That's emotional abuse. And then another one is sexual abuse. I think we all know sexual abuse. Forcing sex on someone, cheating on your partner, that is sexual abuse as well. And the last one is economic abuse. For instance, the ladies, the ladies who keep their men cards, and then they don't, they don't allow their men to keep their card, that is sort of economic abuse. And then if you in your family, you don't, if as a man, you don't provide them financially while you're working, you don't leave money for the trade. That is more economic abuse. That's how we address that. That in your family, do they have to ask for money every time? Mm. Mm, but you also provide them. Yeah. And then uh, from just generally speaking, from having run this program, you mentioned that you've been mm. with uh, Nikria for a yeah, year, just yes. over a year. Mm. Um, what are the most common types of abuses, domestic uh, violence abuses that you come across? The most common one is physical abuse, mm. assaulting your partner. For instance, yeah, this is most what you get at Nick. I was watching a show on ETV. I yes. think it's 
Checkpoint. Checkpoint, yeah. Mm. And that's where I got to see, you know, you mm. had two couples. Mm. They were happily married until a point where the husband started um, abusing, abusing the, the wives. Yes. And then they came to, uh, to Necro. Necro. Yeah, they were referred by the court to Necro. And then they started the Necro sessions and yes. stuff. Mm. They attended the Necro session, about 10 session. And then after the program, they did victim offender mediation. Okay. This is where the victim will address his own, maybe for instance, problem with the, with the perpetrator. How can you address our violence? How can you change the abusive behavior? We also include especially the family. How does your abuse impact the children? The children have to have their say in the program. Mm. They get to highlight what are the challenges. How does that abuse affect them, whether at school or with other friends in the community? And you also touched on something, um, male privilege. Yes, male privilege. Yeah, can we just please unpack a bit on, on it? You gave an example, but let's just expand a bit mm. on male privilege. Male privilege is basically where a man say a woman's role is to cook, is to clean, is to take care of the family. It takes no responsibility in cooking, cleaning, and taking care of his children. You think that is only a woman's role. We find a challenge, especially in some of our male clients. They say that as a man, if I'm working, if I provide financially, I can't do all those things. Even if the wife is working professionally, he has to come back home, whether he or she is tired, he has to clean the house, regardless whether the man is there or not. So the rest of male privilege comes in. Does it um, stem from cultural beliefs, yeah, maybe? Yeah, cultural beliefs, how we were raised. Mm. Most of our clients were raised that a man's role is to provide for the family. So they don't question that. Mm. That's where socialization comes in. Okay. Mm. Alrighty, so that, that's Nkulego. He was basically sharing the perpetrator program, which is a program that um, he runs with. Now, Andile, you do the youth diversion program. Can we just, just unpack um, what the youth diversion program is all about? Okay, firstly, the term youth diversion is an all-encompassing uh, a term that is used to describe the actual programs or the different programs that are under the youth diversion uh, part. Because, for instance, our youth diversions are targeting uh, children. We call them children in our office, children that are between the ages of 14 and 17 who are now adolescents and, and have been in, in conflict with the law one way or another. But then that doesn't only end with people who have been uh, in conflict with the law as in arrested and had appeared in court. But it's also people who are doing uh, like or rather involved in bullying, like Gobela has already mentioned, gangsterism, substance abuse in schools. So you get schools that also refer children to us for our diversion programs. So it, it's not only a referral from the courts, but also from school. And we also get self-referrals. You see, when a person has uh, started, I'll make an example of substance abuse. Uh, has started abusing drugs and then they are now stealing at home and assaulting people and doing all those things. They then refer to us because we're not only doing diversion programs with the aim of crime prevention, but we also help individuals that may one way or another become uh, criminals in the future or are prone to become arrested because of what they are doing already at home. So then when a person is in that category that I've just explained now, they then go through the screening like we already mentioned and then the assessment to see whether they will attend our programs or not. So the programs that we offer in our organization is the Youth Empowerment Scheme Program. So that's for 
uh, as an example, that is for people who have committed offenses such as assault, um, shoplifting, um, common assault or assault GBH, and all all those other ones. Though then with that with that person they will uh, they will attend our life skills program. It's a youth empowerment scheme program where we basically equip them with basic life skills to find out what could have predisposed them to offend. And then they go through our programs with attending self awareness, decision making, anger management, conflict management, goal setting, peer pressure, and all those other. Um, sessions that we do in our programs and then there's the adolescent drug abuse prevention and training program so that program also targets youth like i've already mentioned 14 to 17 that have been committed or or have committed substance abuse related um, offenses so if you were found in possession we do an assessment we find that out that you're actually experimenting so a person who's addicted we don't deal with them because we don't have maybe administering uh, pills to them so that they can detox but what we do is we, we do we deal with people who, who are experimenting so most of our programs are educational in nature so we empower them with skills information and knowledge so that they choose a drug-free lifestyle so they go through the same both the youth empowerment and the adolescent program, uh, they, they adapt. That's what we call them in the yes, at 12 sessions. So they attend for those 12 sessions in our in our office until they are done. And then we provide a report back to the referring agency. But then those are our diversion. But we also have the journey program, which is for the youth that are in our programs at the office. They go to a wilderness. That's what we also call it, a wilderness program where they go on a camp over a weekend where they now get to practice the life skills that they were taught in the office. Now it's more practical. And uh, we go there and they, and they learn and they practice all the skills and then they come back and you find out that now it's, if it's something that you were taught while sitting and if you have to practice it, there's a lot of difference. And then we have the, the Safety Ambassador Program. It forms part of our crime prevention, but it's all, it, it, yeah, basically crime prevention. Or Gobel has already touched on it. We go to high schools. We identify need. Um, we do a, a, crime, a, a community profiling, rather, and then we see that the school has this need whether there's a lot of substance abuse or bullying or gangsterism then we do the program mainly aimed for that we select and um a group of children uh, that are aimed to be the safety ambassadors. They are to be the peer educators in the school to prevent whatever it is or do programs and campaigns. So it's over a year or over a two-year period. So that those that is youth diversion in a nutshell. I can go on, but let me just end there. Okay, no, thank you very much. Just to check, you mentioned that um, sc- sometimes schools refer, and we know that we have an increasing problem with bullying yes. in schools. So, uh, if there's a school principal or teacher listening right now, how can they refer um, the the kids to you guys? Mainly, uh, what they do is they just write a letter that has a letterhead and then they identify what the issues are with the child and what and how they would want us to intervene because besides just referring the child to us what are the main risk factors and what would they like us to do and then obviously then there's a signature and information about uh, about the school okay and where would this letter go though 
it comes to our offices. Uh, where? Like, what's the email address? The email address, We. what happens is it can be physical. So, oh, they, refer so they drop them, it off? Yes, they okay. drop it off for a, a booking, for an appointment, for an assessment. Mm. So they come with the letter, a parent comes with the letter with their child, and then we book them for an appointment. And then you mentioned um, after the assessments were done, you've done the assessments and stuff, then you are able to determine the type of programs that you will do for the individual. Yes. And then you also mentioned that or not. So from that, I got a sense that it could be a situation that you cannot really assist this individual. What happens in such cases? Um, like I explained initially to say that um, if we cannot be able to meet the client, the, the, the needs of the client, maybe he is addicted to substances, mm. then we're going to refer them to organizations that we're working with. Okay. Mm. Yes. Now, on that note, Gabela, you are, um, you basically run with the Road Offenses Program. Mm -hmm. um, what is that all about? Okay, um, the Road Offense Panel Program, it's an eight-week session. We run eight sessions, which are based on educational. We uh, educate the client on the dangers of driving whilst under the influence of alcohol, speeding, reckless and negligent driving, the dangers of road rage, and my driving behavior. Because some clients will tell you that, I've learned this from my father or, or I've learned this from my mom. She's been, been doing this while I was still young, maybe hooting at other drivers, yelling, swearing and shouting at other drivers. So I thought that was the best way in order to resolve conflicts on the road. Or my father was speeding and he always had control of his car or driving under the influence and he always had he was never involved in any accident so that is basically the road offense panel program um the main aim of this program is to let clients know or them i'll refer them as clients because we're dealing with clients to say that driving it's not a right it's just a privilege some people's driver's license were suspended because they didn't follow the rules and signs of the road and the other thing is that while driving, I'm not only driving my own, my, my own car. I'm driving the one in front, the one at the back, and, the, and by the sides. So I need to be careful while driving because many people are recently losing their lives on the road. And while approaching December, it's going to be worse. So as South Africans or as Negro, we're creating an awareness to say, to say that safer roads is a responsibility for every road user. Yes. When I'm driving, I need to make sure that I am safe, the pedestrians are safe, and other drivers are safe. So we, the topics that we usually cover in this program is that we cover the topics such as exceeding the speed limit. Maybe on the freeway, it's early in the morning or it's empty. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can just press my accelerator. But it's not just about pressing the accelerator. If I lose control of that car and it crashes at a high speed, what's going to happen? Mm. You are the breadwinner. Mm. Families depending on you, you are a role model to somebody. So we're gonna we're gonna have loss of life, loss of um, someone in the in, in the family who is very important, and understanding the units of alcohol. Some clients will tell you that I only had six, but not really knowing what is six cans of alcohol. What does it really mean? Am I over the limit or not? The high cost of road offences. If I am in conflict with the law. How much does it cost? Mm. Paying for the lawyers, time-wise, missing time from work, attending mm. the program and all that, and then road safety, the reckless and negligent driving. As little as not fastening my seatbelt. There's a reason why exactly. the law said we need to fasten, fasten our, our seatbelt. Seat yes. mm. And sometimes when the, the, the robot turns orange, we tend to press our accelerator. 
we want to pass. Mm. But then there's something that I'd like to share with you, with the listeners to say. It says that it's very important that I do not need to lose a minute in life while speeding. Rather, I'd rather lose a minute in life and then make oh, sure wow. that I, I get oh, wow. everything. I, I'd mm. rather lose a minute at work. Then mm. it's fine. I'm going to apologize when I get to work than to lose my life in just a minute. A minute. Yeah. Mm. So basically, that is the road offense panel program. Also, most of the clients when attending this program, we're dealing with the driving attitude and behavior. They'll tell you that, okay, before attending the program, I had this negative attitude. I thought I could just drive the way I want because it's my car. It's my petrol. You can't tell me anything. But mm. after attending the program, that's where they realize the importance of life. How do we value life? And that obviously it's just a privilege for me to drive. I really think the work that you guys do as uh, Necro is really valuable. And at the start of the program, I mentioned that you're contributing a lot to making South Africa a better place, a safer place. And you've just shared that with us. We just heard um, Gulego just sharing the perpetrator program, Andile sharing the youth diversion program, and uh, Gobela sharing the road offenses program. Now we're going to get into the best advice I ever got. This is a feature that is inspired by Sia Mapoka's book, which is the best advice I ever got. This is where our guests are going to be sharing the best advice they got with us. I always say I learn, I always learn from this feature. It's one of the features that I always look forward to. The best advice I ever got. Now let's get to hear the best advice our guests ever got is. Gabela, what is the best advice you ever got? Thank you once more. The best advice that I got from my mom since I was still a young child was that I am the one who's going to preserve my own dignity. Meaning that for whatever thing that I do, I should be thinking about my dignity. Will people still respect me if I do this or not? So I love it so much. Beautiful advice. <laughs> Andy Lee? Mina, what my mom used to say, which is something that I think she lived by herself, was that you can fight a lot of, ba- of you can fight a lot of battles in silence. So if umuntuzo figa kshogoloze and ayenzo kizita kulumezo kizita standayo, just by you not saying anything, you're fighting a lot of battles. So I found that Uti, it can actually help me in life because I'm very outspoken. But then sometimes you need to learn Utige utule and then isn't all mm. either work themselves out or anything. But it actually that advice actually helps a lot. Beautiful advice. Um, good luck. Okay, the best advice I ever received, I think, was so from Mendoza's song. So it's all around I think after completing my studies and studying yeah. for five years and doing mm. 40 modules and not working for a period of a year, mm. I got depressed and sending CV without no response. That's when my friend Nerissio suggested that we should go and search for organization to do volunteer work. Mm. At first, I didn't like that idea. But after a while, I decided let's go and do volunteer work. Mm. Yeah. That's today we are both working professionally. And mm. that's the best advice I've received. Nice one. Mm. <laughs> now, before we sign out, please just share with us information on where people can get hold of you guys and can contact you. Yes, you can come through to our offices. We are based in Jimiston, corner, corner 63, Oriental, and Victoria Street. 
we share the same building with Boston College. In oh, Houston, okay. Yeah. I think we, that's easy to find. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We also based in Rabasutu Court, in Tembisa Magistrate Court, mm-hmm. and also in Palm Ridge Court. And our number, it's, it's 011-873-6976-07. For email address, you can email our supervisor. The email is faith at necro.co.za. That is F A. I T H at N I C R O dot C O dot Z A. And we open from eight o'clock until half past four. And then guys, Necro is everywhere. So mm-hmm. in South Africa, wherever you go, you always find a Necro in Western Cape, Northern Cape, Limp uh, Limpopo. Gauteng, Guazulu Natal, Mpumalanga, Necro is everywhere. You can just go onto Google and Google whatever province and then you'll find our offices there. You heard Necro is everywhere, guys. Just check out uh, their website and you'll able you'll be able to find uh, the closest um, office next to you. But in terms of contacting the people we had in studio, uh, please contact uh, Faith. On uh, The email is Faith at uh, necro.co.za and if you'd like to give them a call it's 011-873-6976 thank you very much for coming through Nkulego, Andile and Kobela we really really appreciate it spread the good message that you're spreading and may God bless your work you really are making a difference thank you very much for the career that you chose and the work that you do Thank you yes. for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, uh, that was our program for tonight, a Necro. I'm hoping that you guys learned a thing or two from the program. We're going to sign out roundabout now and make way for... Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at her right now, uh, Audrey van der Waal, and they'll be coming through roundabout now. But thank you very much for listening to Mustard Seed. We'll check you out same time, same place, next week, Tuesday, uh, from uh, 7 p.m. to 8 PM Ratcha on Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. Mustard Seed, your Catholic young adult show.